you can be 10-1 and and win the SEC East, and this is all going to go great, and they're going to go stomp Georgia Tech next week, and it's going to be awesome. But for them to be the thing they want to be, they need Jake Fromm to be Jake Fromm, and he has not been Jake Fromm all year, and I think it's probably time to stop pretending otherwise. What's up, Georgia football fans? My name is Scott Duvall, and you were listening to episode 211 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. The dogs held on to beat the Aggies 19-13 to in another sloppy weather game at Sanford Stadium. Granted, it was not pretty at all, at least from an offensive standpoint. But as my two co-hosts point out in this short post-game episode, it is a team game. Obviously, the defense put together another world-class performance on Saturday, and the dogs survive in advance, to think of it that way. So here's Tony Waller and Will Leach to share their thoughts about the game. As for me, I'm out of town and was not available to contribute to the podcast. In fact, I'm having to record this intro and the outro that you'll hear afterwards on my iPhone. But I think Tony and Will sum up the vibe pretty well during this episode. As for me, I'm not going to get down ever on a 10-1 season heading into the Georgia Tech game. And a side note, thank you to everyone who joined us at the Foundry last night for our Waiting Since Last Saturday post-game podcast meetup after the Texas A&M game. I'll share a few more thoughts on our Georgia Tech preview show about what I thought and the people I met, but it was awesome to interact with all of y'all there. We should do that more often. Okay, here's the show. Hope you enjoy episode 211. Georgia wins... 1913, a game so uh, ugly at times that we couldn't even get Scott to come on and discuss it with us. It's embarrassing. He was too ashamed. Uh, No, Scott is not here. It's just me and Tony. I'm Will, by the way. Uh, It's just me and Tony. We are here on Sunday morning. The morning after our party, by the way, we'll get into that, our post-game party, which we had a, we're very pleasantly surprised with how many people came, considering the distance and the weather, but uh, very good time with that, but we're a little groggy. I'm not, I'm a little groggy. Tony is is made of titanium, Uh, but 1913. On one hand, again, I feel like it's another on-one-hand conversation. On one hand, wow, they they seem to be in control the entire game, and I was really never too concerned. On the other hand, once again, you don't score enough points, to, and you leave the door open for a potential fourth-quarter comeback. Where do you land on this uh, on, on, uh, on Saturday's win, uh, Tony? Yeah, I think it's definitely... We've reached the point this season after 11 games. I, I think I've reached the point since game seven. This is our team. It's our offense. Um, anyone the whole time hope that Kirby's got the playbook hidden or they've got some stuff up their sleeves. Uh, I think you've watched Kirby's um, press conferences for last night. He is clearly frustrated with the pace of the offense and what's going on with the offense. Um, he is very careful to talk about execution and not scheme. And um, you know, the closest he came was. I'm, I'm sure everyone by now has seen video or otherwise chatter about the whatever it was between DeAndre Swift and uh, Jake Fromm on, I think it was the second down play, maybe third down play, or maybe after the first first down, where it was a another inside zone play where uh, Swift just ran into the teeth of the defense. Swift was clearly frustrated there, and both the coach uh, and Fromm Make comments that you know that was we didn't do the right thing there. Um, you know, defensively, we are exactly what we thought we were going into the game. I think all of us were in the thirteen. I think I said seventeen point range for Texas A and M. You know, your defense is going to keep you in games, and our offense is. 
<laughs> our offense is like I think what I think what people see and get frustrated at will is that we needed four and a half months around the clock, and we did so really. I mean, we, we got a little, we got a little sweaty palmy there after that play where Swift busted from, but it never really felt like it wasn't going to happen. And I think the frustration people have is if you can do that in that situation, why can't you do it in a random drive in the third quarter from the opponent's twenty-seven yard line? It's not an unfair question. For all the talk about how Georgia is trying to be two thousand nine Alabama. Uh, the thing about 2009 Alabama <clears throat> is it's famously put together by uh, by Spencer Hall the the crockpotting idea. You put you you stick, make them put stick them in the put them up in the air and they kick their legs up uh, until they die until they run out of gas and die. The problem is is the opposite is what's actually happening. <laughs> it's that the defense is playing so great, but they have to carry so much of the load that actually in the fourth quarter they're starting to tire, which is the opposite of the way the Alabama thing is supposed to work. It's the opposite crockpotting. Georgia is. Uh, kind of methodically, uh, uninspiringly, and whatever, still successfully, putting together leads, and then but they're keeping it just close enough and not putting them away enough to where Texas A&M could have one big play, and then, or as we saw in Auburn, have the other team start getting just kind of get rolling uh, a little bit, and next thing you know, the game it feels t- is tight when it really has not felt tight the entire time, and to me. Obviously, the the offense is the issue, and um, you know I I too noticed that uh, Kirby Smart after the game was not doing his usual everything's fine as long as we win we're happy. Uh, I, I think uh, we 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 discussed last night about how how kind of frustrating it was after the Auburn game when he claimed that they didn't change anything on the defense late, which they obviously did. And so, like like there's a certain stubbornness in uh, like the public consumption how he kind of speaks about these things with his team. I think uh, that broke a little bit. Uh, after the Texas A&M game, he looked clearly frustrated, and uh, and he didn't pretend that he wasn't. And I tend to like that. That also feels just like the inevitable seeding to reality. And we can talk about you know the pace. We can talk about the schemes. We can talk about everything. And uh, and I think there's there's a lot to be said there. But I mean, as you said, we are 11 games into the season. And Jake Fromm has just never looked right. And I think I would argue, obviously, the pick, the Pickens pass was a great pass. And that's kind of the thing with Fromm. Like, he'll struggle a little bit and then he'll throw this perfect pass. But I feel like this was uh, probably the worst game I've seen him play uh, this year, other than that pass. There were throws around guys, behind guys. He didn't have the timing down. Uh, he would overthrow guys. He'd underthrow guys. He'd throw behind guys. Not all of that is him again. You know, I'm sure there's, there's issues. Uh, there's obviously issues with the receivers. But... It is too late to say Fromm is going to kick it into gear. And I know it's frustrating. That It's obviously frustrating to Swift. obviously frustrating to the coaching staff. It's clearly frustrating to the fans. But, I mean, this is the thing with being a Georgia fan right now, is you can be 10-1 and and win the SEC East, and this is all going to go great, and they're going to go stomp Georgia Tech next week, and it's going to be awesome. But for them to be the thing they want to be, they need Jake Fromm to be Jake Fromm, and he has not been Jake Fromm all year, and I think it's probably time to stop pretending otherwise. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. We had I was having multiple conversations in the stands with uh, Tiffany and Wayne and Kristen, and you know I think for whatever it is, and and I I don't know I don't know if it's mentally I don't know if it's something physical I don't know if he just hasn't gotten into some sort of rhythm with the receivers. I don't know whether it's the new plays. I don't know if it's Coley's play calls. I, who knows? 
there is something clearly different about the 2019 version of Jake Fromm than what we saw in previous years. The, the interesting thing to me about it, and this is something that's just occurred to me now, is that I still think the South Carolina game is his worst game because some of those, yeah. I mean, to, to give him some credit, if you if you want to look at it this way, um, at least the throws here weren't forced throws into space that were bad throws. I mean, every throw that at least I saw, the rower throws, or he just missed missed the guy, he just went to, he threw to the wrong spot or something. He wasn't throwing into coverage. So that's a win, well, yay. which could be <laughs> part of it. No, I mean, but that could be part of it, right? It could they could have gotten in his head so much of the don't turn the ball over that he's not he's not being Nick from. And um <laughs> that might be I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I, I obviously there I'm not a quarterback whisperer, but the the thing is it's gotta be wearing on Jake. It has to be. Um he's such a competitor. We've seen I mean, you know, he's 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 Jake Fromm and um and it's it's just hard it's hard to imagine. I also think we're seeing a little evidence of Kirby saying, "Okay, if we can't be aggressive on offense, got to be in other places." That onside kick was beautiful. It was perfectly timed. It was perfectly placed. You know, the the one thing that didn't happen is we didn't recover it. Uh, my guess is that's something to work on during special teams this week because at some point we're going to need to be able to recover that. And then one final thing: third game in a row, we went into a little different defense in the fourth quarter and. Gave up a long touchdown drive, um, and I get it. Uh, you probably at that point, as defensive coordinator or Dan Lanning went to Kirby or something and said, "My guys are gassed. Uh, we got to take a little pressure off this man-to-man because clearly they want. Clearly they were trying to throw the ball. Like the defense held Texas A&M to negative one yards rushing. It's thirty net yards rushing, uh, and uh, thirty-three net yards rushing, and lost thirty-four on the sacks. By any stretch of imagination, that is incredible. That is spectacular. For that matter, Mon didn't really get unleashed otherwise. I mean, I think he had 265 yards passing on 45 or 6 attempts. This defense did everything it was asked to do. Um, yeah, I did hear somebody in the, in the stands, oh, are we just going to waste this defense? Um, I don't really look at it that way. This is a team sport, and there have been multiple times over the past 15 years where Georgia's offense has carried the team. The defense is carrying the team now, and, and part of the job of these coaches right now is to figure out the best way to to, to beat Tech, the best way to beat LSU. And but I do fall with you, and unless something gets figured out on offense, it is a very tall order to think we can go to Atlanta and beat an LSU team. That we're no matter how good our defense is, is still going to score points. Yeah, I think that's the frustrating. Obviously, we'll have plenty of time to talk about LSU, but I think LSU is a team that there are going to be points on the field to be had by the offense. Like they're going to be there. They're, they're, there's going to be opportunities. And the thing that was worrisome, worrisome to me about Fromm, uh, it's funny, I think you're right, I think he was worse in the South Carolina game, but he's cautious now. And it's not the yips. Yeah. That, 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 I think that, that's, an, that's, that's an unfair, that's a Rick Ankiel, uh, Mackie Sasser uh, type of thing. It's not that. It's just that he doesn't. Again, I, I can't put it better than for the first two years, him flipping the ball seemed like cockiness, and now it seems like nervousness. And uh, that uh, when he flips the ball in his hand like that, that's how it feels. And I think you can see it. You can, and and I think it was inevitable that it was going to spill over a little bit, like it did with Swift. Which again, it's not a huge deal. It's not like anyone was whacking anybody with a helmet or anything. But like clearly. You know, there was an expectation that Jake Fromm would be a certain way this year, and he has not been there uh, this year. And, again, 
Georgia just won at home against Texas A&M, a good team, a uh, game they pretty much control across the board to go to 10-1, and one, and they're about to go to 11-1 and play in the SEC Championship game, and it's all very awesome. So, no, no one, no, we, we should all appreciate how much fun this is. I appreciate it. I know that you do. But this is still all about can they beat LSU. That's what the season really has been about um, all year, whether, whether they can win the SEC Championship. And the way he's playing right now, uh, it's just not going to happen. And to me, that's what worries is worries me is the defense is getting exhausted against Kellen Mond. Uh, imagine what's going to happen against Burrow. <laughs> and I, uh, yeah. and I, th- I think that that's, and I I'm not blaming the defense for getting exhausted against Mon. They had a lot of, they're, they're really carrying a lot of weight, but they just won't be able to carry that weight all the way through. And, uh, and it's a shame. And listen, there are moments that Pickens play was awesome. That was, like, that's why I feel like I've been waiting all year to see there. I think it's almost more frustrating that way because it's in there somewhere. Like it still feels like it's in there somewhere, but I mean, I think it's too late to expect it to be fully unlocked. I think one of the frustrating things a lot of people have said, uh, have, have seen over the season, uh, is we haven't had that long breakaway run, like the 65-70 yard run. That just hasn't happened much, and we've been so close. Um, you know, it, it was interesting every time someone broke, or, you know, Harry or Swift broke around the, the edge, um, Tiffany would say, there he goes, there it goes, here it is. And they always, almost always get tripped up. And I think part of that is that, um, uh, one thing I noticed Texas A&M was doing, and I'd, I'd be interested to go back and watch earlier games to see if, if Auburn and Florida specifically did this. They were almost using their safety as a run spy at times because every time that happened, that t- attack was made by the deep safety, um, it, which is, is smart football on one hand. But on the other, you know, usually when you have the, the, the possibility of a pass, um, you know, the safety is, 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 is literally spying a receiver. Uh, or trying to figure out at least which part of the field the quarterback's looking to. In each of the situations, particularly, there was, what was it? The, oh, the swift run, maybe on the last drive, where he broke, and I thought he, I was just like, well, he's going. And the safety almost materialized out of nowhere. Um, so I, that's something I want, do want to look at and go back and look at game form. Because if you're going to live in a world where either Georgia by design or for whatever reason is not going to take, even make you stay honest on taking shots down the field other than in very specific situations. This is the SEC. Very good defensive coordinators, very good football coaches. I mean, for sakes, Jimbo Fisher's paid $7.5 million a year. And I, I think I tweeted last night, it's like, hey, Jimbo makes 7.5, but I don't know if I'd have punted there. I'm not sure I would have punted there on, on fourth down against Georgia. Uh, I, you know, I realize you're trying to flip the field. you got to think, okay, we'll get the ball back one more time. I'm just not sure I would have punted. Uh, but you know, I kind of realized suddenly this is a, a stream of consciousness ramble. Um, but you know, one of the things, and one last thing, is that I'm really excited uh, that Rodrigo, on a day like today where he clearly carried the team, um, scoring-wise, he scored 12 of the 19 points, but came towards his all-time scoring leader. I think that's kind of neat. This is cool. Um, and you know, a lot of people were, yeah, at the, at the post-game show, I was talking with somebody, I was you kind of like we're nine and one for the third season in a row. Uh, that hasn't happened in thirty five years. It's hard to find joy when your expectation is so high, but we kind of need to enjoy this because it is not normal. It's not. I mean, look, there are Alabama fans right now who are like they've given up on this team, <laughs> like just totally given up on their team because you know realistically they're not really playing for a championship, and they're just like it's all for pride now, and pride ain't enough for somebody that's been to the mountaintop five times or whatever it's been in the last ten years. 
we talked at the tailgate a little bit about how the vibe because uh, of the rain and like almost we felt bad with all the Texas A&M fans were there that they were not seeing Georgia at our best. <laughs> they saw us. They saw us on uh, because it was not the, the tailgate vibe was not uh, particularly fro- uh, rollicking to say the very least. But I will say uh, I felt the vibe of the same was pretty good. Uh, I thought I thought Georgia fans showed up for the game. Uh, Texas A&M fans clearly made their voices heard uh, on many occasions, and I think that speaks well to them. But I generally found Texas A&M fans pretty pretty cool, and the vibe of the game, if not the tailgate, uh, a pretty good one considering this is the first time that they played since they've got to the SEC. I thought the vibe was cool. I was a, a little nervous. Um, we got in there for the introductions, the senior game, senior game introductions, because the the fans were not very full. Um, but I will say that it was as loud as it maybe not quite as loud as Notre Dame, but it was as loud as, as other games uh, or louder at times, especially there towards the end. I mean, Texas A&M they had um, they had multiple offensive mistakes, offsides and delays of game, and you, you have to attribute that to the crowd. Uh, and I will say, I found the the Texas A&M fans to be delightful and friendly and. You know, we I talked to we invited two or three over early because they were just kind of wandering around in the rain. It's like, hey, y'all got to come over and have a drink out of the rain. And you know, it seemed like everybody I met were just they were nice, and I I I I get why people think they don't belong in the SEC because they uh, the stuff is different than us. But I mean, you know, it's, we we're, we're Georgia. We worship a bulldog, and <laughs> we bury them in our stadium. I don't know that we got stones to throw when our glass house is behind us. I liked it when the dogs sniffed each other. That was cute. I, was, I, I like to see mascot dogs getting along. Uh, okay. Um, all right. We're gonna have a po- we're gonna have a big uh, pregame show this week uh, to kind of wrap up everything. But uh, and so and because Scott's not here, we don't have to do the good thing, bad thing, something else. <laughs> we only did that for Scott. Um, but uh, but I'll say that uh, uh, very nice time at the Foundry afterward. Met some very nice people. I have to say, I was I was hard for me to get. It took me a while to get there because I was going to game, go to game go to the game with my wife. It turned out I went to game with my son, so I had to get him back home before I could get out to the foundry. So you guys had been there for a while by the time that I finally got out there. Um, and I will confess, there was a little part of me just because of the rain, because it was, and because we kind of hastily put this together, uh, and because the foundry is, is obviously not exactly right in the middle of everything. Um, I was concerned, I was, I figured I might get there and it just might be you and Scott, but it was not just you and Scott. We had a very nice crowd for as late as we put it together and kind of how non-ideal circumstances there were. And everyone was pretty awesome. You know, it's always fun to meet people you interact with on Twitter or that you just respond and say, hey, great show or whatever. And you care even less about the numbers than I do, and I, I certainly don't. It does validate a little bit that when people show up and say, hey, thanks for, thanks for doing what y'all do. And it is, it's fun. It's, it's really gracious. Um, it's really gracious when people come. We had, had some old standbys there. We had people that, you know, uh, we had somebody from Helen from D.C. came down. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, it was really neat and fun to get a chance to, to talk one-on-one with people and, and put names and faces. And it's not lost on me, and I certainly don't think it would be in, on you, Will, or, or it's not on Scott, that it it is awesome that y'all like what we do in uh, I appreciate y'all taking the time and not only listening, but coming by and saying, hey. 
Yeah, and some great conversations that, frankly, I thought uh, will be helpful for us as we frame stuff kind of coming down the stretch here. I thought uh, we had some good debates about uh, the philosophy. I, I got to, uh, I may finally uncork my Kirby Smart as gifted child um, theory that I've been uh, tossing around for a while. I think I, I kind of test ran, test drove that one a little bit last night. So maybe I'll uncork that one on a future podcast. But just great to talk to people. Hi, uh, uh, very fun times all around. Uh, you mentioned Helen. I thought this was funny because Helen is like 26. <laughs> and so, you know, it was getting late. We'd all been out all day. And she's like, I'm going to go. I'm like, oh, yeah, probably, it's probably good for everybody to go to bed. She's like, oh, no, I'm 26. <laughs> My evening is just starting. I'm like, right, right, right. I'm old and not fun. Yeah, but also, she came out. I mean, she came out early to see us. Yeah, exactly, early. exactly. We were barely making it to where we could hang out with her, and she's like, she's like, oh yeah, yeah. We just, uh, yeah, we're all. Uh, we'll, we'll, I'm meeting all my friends for the first of our eleven stops in twenty minutes. So, uh, those were the days. Uh, all right, well, we will be taping on Tuesday uh, to preview Georgia Tech, uh, which uh, oh, well, it's always good to have a good Georgia Tech week. And listen, going into Georgia Tech uh, ten and one, I, I find it, uh, I find it hard to argue with that. Georgia Tech, uh, as far as uh, arrival, has lost its shine for some of us. Uh, I've always thought it's cute, um, and I don't want to lose to them. But, guys, it's, 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 it's Tech hate week, so get your mind right. Yes, always a fun time. Again, as I've written before, Bobby Dodd is an absolute wonderful stadium to wa- to go to go watch your team take over. <laughs> it is a beautiful place. Well, yeah, and I'm sorry. I'm, I mean, it's, I'm sorry. There's not a seat everybody wants to go because it's a tiny stadium. <laughs> All right. Uh, we will talk Tuesday. We'll be previewing that Tuesday. So we'll talk to you all before Thanksgiving. But thanks to everybody who came out to the Foundry. Very nice time. Uh, and uh, hey, go dogs. Go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram with any questions or comments you might have concerning good, clean, old-fashioned hate coming up this week. Our handles for both social media platforms is at WSLS Podcast. And thanks to our podcast partner, Five Points Bottle Shop, for helping us bring you this episode. Last night at the Foundry, a couple of listeners brought up the fact that they had actually stopped by Five Points Bottle because we had mentioned it to get their tailgate supplies. Something like that. But I appreciate all of y'all's interaction on Twitter and the tweets you've sent us with our uh, podcast partners, and they appreciate it as well. That'll do it for this episode. We'll see you on campus again sometime, sometime soon. But it'll be Atlanta the next two weeks for Tech and then LSU. And we'll be here to share our thoughts on all of it. Have a great week and safe travels as you get ready for Thanksgiving holiday. And as always, go dogs. Go dogs.